This is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Support for the legislature today is provided by Marshall University, committed to teaching, research, and professional training with degree programs in multiple locations and online. More about the Marshall family at marshall.edu. Embassy Suites by Hilton Charleston, an all-suite hotel and conference center minutes from Yeager Airport and Capital Market. Reservations and brasserie dining information available at hilton.com. Segra, providing fiber-based communication solutions. Segra, freedom to grow. More information at segra.com. Welcome back to the legislature today. I'm Bob Brunner. Thanks for joining us. More than 70 opponents of House Bill 2007 testified in the House of Delegates Thursday morning. Only two witnesses spoke in support. The bill would limit gender-affirming medical care for transgender youth. Here are just a few of the people who spoke. In the New Testament letter to the Romans, St. Paul gives preeminence to the law to love your neighbor as yourself and says, love does no harm to a neighbor. Love is the fulfillment of the law. This bill would be harmful to people who are transgender. Of the many reasons to vote no in this legislation, rejecting it on moral grounds is clear to me. I am beyond proud of the trans folks and allies that are in here for the right reasons. This bill is, about, is not about what you think it is. This bill is about a small consolidation of power wherever these insecure legislators can obtain it. Instead of focusing on infrastructure, addiction, homelessness, which are the issues that I hear the most about as an elected official, instead we get bills like this meant to make a national statement. When it's enacted, we will again be forced to spend taxpayer dollars defending ourselves in federal court. It's fiscally irresponsible special interest politics and nothing more. This is rooted in a complete lack of knowledge for, of transgender people, their needs, and their medical care. What you call protecting children is deadly. Please get to know trans folks, trans youth, and their families. They are beautiful, and like every person in West Virginia, they should be treated with dignity and respect and afforded life-saving health care. I'm a Christian parent of a Christian trans child, and yes, you can be both. As a person of faith, I believe this bill is contradictory to the very teachings of Jesus to care for and love the marginalized and that every single person, no matter what, is sacred and valuable. On our way down here, one of my teenagers said to me, I don't want to have to walk through a field of the corpses of my friends because some politicians decided to impose their transphobia on the rest of us. And I felt y'all needed to hear that. And lastly, I just want to say that this, despite the crowd opposing this bill, this is a red state, and there's a big push in the conservative movement for this bill. So if you don't vote for this bill, we will vote you out. Thank you. 
Following that nearly two-hour public hearing, House Democrats tried to amend the bill. Delegate Kayla Young, a Democrat from Kanawha County, reasoned that since this law forbids minors from a type of elective surgery, that all elective surgeries like rhinoplasty or breast augmentation should be banned as well. Delegate Brandon Steele, a Republican from Raleigh County, voiced concerns that this would ban children from receiving care for cosmetic issues that were more serious. I don't, I don't think that this is as well thought through as uh, the, de the delegate thought, uh, because I think there's a lot of care out there that uh, is cosmetic in na nature that is not medically necessary, but I think a lot of us in here would agree. I want a kid that's got the potential to solve a cleft palate problem to be able to solve it. You know, and uh, that stuff still happens uh, here in West Virginia as well. So I'd urge rejection. Young responded that Delegate Steele's concerns were unfounded. I did a quick Google, and it says cleft palate surgery is medically necessary. And I'm Googling it because I'm not a doctor, which is why I don't want to be making people's health care decisions. Uh, only a couple of us are doctors, and uh, those are the only ones who should be making health care decisions between patients and people. Um, I hope you'll support my amendment because if we're going to protect kids, we should protect all of them, not just the straight ones. Uh, if you want to say that kids should be allowed to get boob jobs, I guess you could vote no. So I guess we'll see. This amendment and another offered by Democrat Delegate Sean Fluharty of Ohio County failed along party lines. The Senate Education Committee started the day off with a lively discussion of several topics, including history and hygiene. Reporter Chris Scholes has that story. Senate Bill 216 would require all schools to instruct students Are on the Holocaust and other genocides. Although there was a brief discussion around the need to define the term genocide, much of the debate and ensuing amendments to the bill related to concerns about government overreach into private education. Senator Roland Roberts, a Republican from Raleigh County, argued the imbalance of creating requirements for secular schools, but not for homeschooling or other alternative education programs. And what we're adding on to, I'm, I'm fine with. I have no problem. I'm, I'm thrilled, except the forcing of the private schools to do these things when, by the way, we have twice as many homeschools in the state of West Virginia, homeschoolers, as we do private school students, twice as many, okay? But why, we, we, we don't do those things with all of the others. And so this is a singling out is where I have the problem. A committee substitute of Senate Bill 216 was reported to the full Senate with recommendation that it pass. The committee also took up Senate Bill 489, which would require all county boards of education to provide free feminine hygiene products to students in grades 3 through 12. In recent surveys from the Alliance for Period Supplies, a nonprofit sponsored by Kotex, more than two in five people with periods say they have struggled to purchase period products due to lack of income at some point in their life often leading to missed work and school. The surveys also show COVID-19 has only exacerbated the issue of access. Senator David Stover, a Republican from Wyoming County, voiced his support for the bill. Formerly a teacher for more than 20 years, Stover said he saw firsthand the need for period products in schools. So what I ended up doing for the last 10 or 12 years I taught, any two or three of the female students that I knew and knew their moms 
who I'd probably taught 20 years earlier, I just donated four or 500 bucks and I said, here's the fund. You and your mothers figure out where this will be stored. You don't need to do anything. It's, we'll kind of know when you get up and go to that particular file cabinet, it was a godsend that that could happen. It would be a bigger godsend because it ended up being that students from every teacher in the building would interrupt my class then. So you need to do that in a central way. And it's, yeah, this ought to have been done a long time ago. If passed, West Virginia would join 16 other states, including neighboring Maryland and Virginia, in requiring period products in schools. Senate Bill 489 was also reported to the full Senate with the recommendation that it pass. At the end of the meeting, the senators heard a joint presentation from the state's two education employee organizations, American Federation of Teachers West Virginia President Fred Albert and West Virginia Education Association President Dale Lee, presented some of the findings from six focus groups the organizations conducted across the state in late November and early December of 2022 to collect community input on the factors that will help improve student achievement. They reported the major finding was schools simply need more resources, closely followed by concerns of discipline, teacher compensation, and academic freedom. For the legislature today, I'm Chris Schultz. A second public hearing in the House chambers today pushed back against House Bill 2883, which delivers $500 million in COVID-19 relief funds to the governor for economic development projects. A number of the speakers represented the Tuesday Morning Group. They proposed that $300 million of that money be distributed to cities, towns, and counties based on population and poverty percentage. Reverend Matthew Watts, the CEO of Tuesday Morning Group, was the last speaker, and he appealed to the House of Delegates to support the citizens of the state. So I'm here today to speak on behalf of the invisible citizen that you invoke every time you convene in this house, Jesus of Nazareth. He's concerned about the poor. His inaugural sermon, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's preaching the gospel to the poor, healing to the brokenhearted, recovering the sight to the blind, deliverance to the captives. He's concerned about the 300,000 people in this state that are marginalized, excluded, and forgotten. They're the least, the last, the left out, the left behind, and the looked over. The great Donald Rumsfeld once said that we don't get to go to war with the army that we want. We have to go with the army that we have. The 300,000 poor people in this state are the people that we have. We cannot continue to ignore them as being irrelevant and inconsequential. This state cannot move forward unless we invest in those people. From school safety to student success, there has already been a lot of discussion around the state's educational system this legislative session. Although there are some educators in the lawmakers' ranks, it's always good to hear from people that will be impacted by the bills making their way through the Capitol. Reporter Chris Schull sits down with two current West Virginia teachers to discuss the state of our schools and some of the proposed changes. Thank you, Bob. So I have here Mrs. Robin Chansey of Kennett Elementary in Jackson mm -hmm. County and Mr. Sean Healy from right Shane. down, Shane Healy. Uh, excuse me, from Capitol High School here in uh, Charleston. It would help be helpful if I remember where Sorry. I was, right? Um, so, uh, first of all, thank you for both of you thank being you. on the legislature today. Um, it's no secret that our school system is, uh, for lack of a better term, in crisis. And I wanted to ask you, uh, just to get this out of the way, um, 
you know, what have you heard from your colleagues about why they have been leaving the profession of teaching? Um, why don't we start with you? Uh, I mean, teachers are um, burnout. Teachers are, are overworked, and and it's not. I don't want to make that sound like a, a woe is me type thing, but um, there's a lot on our plates, and there's more added to our plates. You know, every day, every year, um, and it's just something that uh, a lot of teachers are really struggling with. Um, finding a balance between work and home and and you know keeping their you know mental health in check and um as, as long as things are still you know on our plate and, and struggling and added to our plate teachers are going to have a hard time sticking around um you know i know we have a focus right now on trying to retain teachers and and invite new teachers into the profession and that's something that's going to continue um that's a battle that i think is going to continue for a while so Mrs. Chancy, same question. What, what have you been hearing from teachers that are departing? Um, just like Mr. Healy said, I feel like that uh, we are gaining more responsibilities and expectations. And as we gain those, we just get more stressed and more pressure. And I think that it's very hard, like he said, to balance both. And we're not only teachers, we are taking on much more, m more roles as um, educators. And I just think people are getting stressed and they're taking their education and going to another career where they don't have that stress. So it's interesting to hear you all talk about, you know, increased roles and, and having to balance all, so many different things because we have heard about that in the legislature, but I think a lot of the discussion so far has been about uh, pay, which is obviously, mm -hmm. you know, a, a very big issue. but. Um, Mrs. Chancy, I'll start with you. Do you believe that a pay or benefits increase would actually help this issue, or, or is mm -hmm. it really more about you know, getting you all the help that you need? I've had this conversation with my colleagues, and we discussed why we went into the profession of education. Of course, it wasn't for the pay, and we all know that, so we want to go in because we love the children and we're interested in their growth academically and emotionally and, and everything else, but I feel that the pay is nice and it would be beneficial, but I don't think that that is going to change what's happening as far as the responsibilities and the expectations that we're having. I don't think that there's ever going to be a reimbursement for the time that I spend outside of the classroom doing things to prepare for things inside the classroom. Mr. Healy, anything to add on that? Yeah, I mean, I agree. Um, obviously, a pay bump would be nice. Everybody would love a pay bump. Um, but it, but it is it's more than that. Um, if if you look at all the roles we take on, uh, and there's not a lot of um, you know professionals with two masters that get paid what teachers get paid, and and like she said, we know that coming in. Um, we love what we do, and that's why we do it. Uh, so there, there's a lot of factors at play. Would a pay bump be nice? Absolutely, but that's not the the big. Um, the big fight here it's it's not it's really it's it's about you know respecting what we do and um what what are we actually worth even over and above the money yeah respect is is a word that i heard just this morning um you know in uh the senate education committee they were hearing the results of some uh community uh, outreach that the education employee uh, organizations of the state had been doing at the end of last year um, when we talk about respect, I mean, I mean, can you can you quantify that a little bit for me, Mr. Healy? What, what are we talking about here? Well, I think there's, you know, there's in some ways you look at a lot of what's going on um, at, at the state level, the national level. Um, a lot of people don't 
think that you know we're, we're trying to take it out of the teacher's hands in certain ways telling us you know what to teach how we can teach it when we can teach it um, and I think as educators you know this is what we do this is what we went to school for this is we're professionals and we um, we accepted you know that the highs and the lows of this job so um, maybe it you know it sometimes it's take a step back and let the teachers do their jobs and that's a great way to show you know a little bit of respect for what we do so that's interesting that's exactly what the presidents of AFT and WVEA said this morning and yesterday as well uh, for lack of a better term uh, academic freedom uh, mrs. Chancy mm -hmm. do you think that that would help I mean uh, what uh, what else mm -hmm. you know falls into this category of respect well um, I agree and I feel that we're we do not feel respected because um, we're it's almost as if we're not trusted to make decisions that we were trained and put many time much time and hours into and I just feel like um, we're our role is important because we are um, teaching and helping to raise children of the future and the respect needs to be there especially if we want to keep teachers in the field so We've used this term roles several times already in, in, in the short time that we've been speaking together. And there is this new role that teachers have been asked to take on, which is protector in the face of, a, of an alarming rise in school violence. Um, and I don't just mean uh, the un very unfortunate and tragic uh, rash of, of mass shootings that we've seen at schools, which is obviously a very serious issue, but also, you know, we've been hearing issues about discipline as well. Um, Mrs. Chancy, can you speak to issues of discipline briefly? You know, it's, it's a really touchy situation when you talk about discipline because obviously we want to have something that allows us to discipline children with, with consequences if they're making poor choices or disrupting the classroom. It's or, an important lesson to learn. Yes, heaven forbid, something, you know, very negative. But at the same time, we're, our hands are tied. So, uh, little things can we do we can reward the ones that are having good behavior making good choices uh, we can take very little from the ones that don't and it's very hard to keep them in the school and teach the other children that we're trying to teach while you have just one with a misbehavior or that needs discipline immediately because you can't leave your other students and that's that's you know as as classroom sizes grow mm -hmm. I feel like that's what we keep yes. hearing over and over again is teachers whether it be discipline or, mm -hmm. or several other things as, as we've been talking about uh, getting pulled away from the classroom yes. and obviously these issues of discipline scale as children get older you're a high school teacher do you have anything to add to this yeah I mean it's it but they scale but it's the same story you know and discipline is something that um, it, it starts at home and it, mm -hmm. it radiates into the classroom. So there's only so much we can do. Um, and when, like I said before, we, we accept the role, we know that discipline is part of being a teacher, but discipline is a huge part of being a teacher. Um, even sometimes it, it goes over and above the, um, the teaching aspect because mm -hmm. you know the number one goal when, when a student walks in the room is to keep them safe. And if one student is in a position where they're not keeping themselves or somebody else safe, that takes away from the education of mm -hmm. everybody else. Um, so it's a, it's a difficult thing. It's a slippery slope, but it's something that you know we accept. It's something that we we have to you know work together as educators and work together with our administrators and mm -hmm. and everybody to uh, to make sure we stay on top of. So we've just been talking about discipline. I, I want to open this up just a little bit more broadly. Um, 
you know, school safety is a legitimate concern these days for, for all the reasons that I mentioned earlier. Uh, Mr. Healy, can you talk just briefly about what your concerns around school safety are at this moment? Um, I think the understaff, um, you know, right now we, like you said, teachers, we're, we're in a crisis um, and there's a massive teacher shortage. There's a lot of um, empty rooms and, and substitutes and, and I'm not taking anything away from those people, but um, the ones that are, you know, trained to be here, trained to uh, be in the classroom um, or just, you know, the same faces every single day in a classroom. Uh, so keeping our kids safe is, um, is obviously our top priority, but we also need the ones that are actually trained to be that security. Um, you know, there is a bill in legislature right now about arming teachers and, and I don't, you know, we don't need to get too deep into that, but um, you know, that's not what we signed up for. Um, at least, you know, speaking for myself, we didn't sign up to be security. Um, we signed up to be educators and, and I think that you know, having the ones that are actually trained, the ones that have gone to the schooling to do it, that's what we need. Uh, we've definitely heard law enforcement officers say explicitly, if you don't have tactical, which is a very specific type of training, if you don't have tactical training, you know, having a gun in your hand is not going to be very useful in one of these, um, you know, very extreme situations. Uh, Mrs. Chancy, you know, I'm, I'm very interested to hear what you have to think about this, but I also want to go back to my original question. Broadly speaking, what are your concerns about safety? Well, as far as the guns are concerned, I agree that we, uh, I, that was not something that I have signed up to do or have been trained to do. Um, I don't think bringing more guns or any guns into the school is going to make things better in that aspect. Um, as far as safety in our school, um, I think all the schools, um, due to the things that have happened recently and in the past, have amped up their security in their schools, and we have the key cards, and we have we keep our doors locked now. We have a, a law enforcement officer around our school several days a week, um, not on a schedule, and that's on purpose. And we also have you know, special locks on our doors when we have code reds, and we have the drills to practice for that. So I feel very safe, and I think that it's important that we you know, teach our children. And again, it starts at home. You know, parents need to be in, um, they need to be um, understanding their children and spending more time with their children and knowing what their children are up to and they're doing because we do not want these things to happen, obviously, in our schools, whether it's elementary or high school. So obviously this is a very serious topic and, and I want to end with the last couple of minutes that we have here on a more positive note. Uh, Mrs. Chancy, can you tell me, you know, why are you staying in the classroom? What's keeping you doing this job? Well, that's a great question. <laughs> Every year, I answer that question with, I just love what I do. I love the students. I love helping them. I love, you know, being someone in their life that can guide them, protect them, um, teach them, watch them grow academically, emotionally, socially. I just, I feel like I need to be there because that's something that I really feel in my heart that I want to do and make a difference. And so it, that doesn't change. I, every year I want to come back, you know, in the fall. And so I just love being around the students. Well, that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Mr. Healy, same question to you. What keeps you coming back? Yeah, I mean, that's really the same answer. I mean, Ms. Chancy said it earlier that um, we don't get into this profession for the paycheck mm -hmm. necessarily. Uh, we get into it because, you know, we love the curriculum, we love the kids. And I've, I've taught um, 
everything from sixth grade to now I have mostly seniors and being able to see my seniors, you know, grow from day one till, you know, they're walking across the stage at the end of the year is, is pretty awesome. And um, I've had the opportunity of having kids that have graduated come back and, and talk to me and get to see where they go in their life after school. Um, it's just amazing opportunity to see something different every single day um, and, and see the kids, you know, grow. Well, that's just wonderful to hear, and, and I do appreciate you all indulging me in a little bit of a lighter fare. Um, just very briefly, I, I do have a question about, um, we did hear the governor talking about requiring teachers to put their curriculum online. Is that something that you all are already doing? You know, can I go online and see uh, the curriculums in Jackson County? At the beginning of the year, um, we were required this year to put a, a syllabus out to all the parents, letting them know what our curriculum is and any supplemental materials that we plan on using during the year. So they're very aware and they have that list and we are to have that available at any time it's requested. Okay, well, um, that's actually all the time we have, Mr. Healy. I'm, I assume that your answer is relatively similar. Pretty similar. Yeah. Um, but I do want to take this time to thank you both so much for coming on the legislature today. Thank you. We really appreciate it and uh, we look forward to seeing what else the legislature does uh, in the uh, realm of education. Thank you again yes. so Thank much. You. Thank, you. Thank you. Bob, back to you. Thanks for that, Chris. Tune into the legislature today, Monday through Friday at 6. We'll have more news and interviews from the 2023 legislative session. And remember, West Virginia Public Broadcasting is covering the session daily in our radio news program, West Virginia Morning, and on our news site at wvpublic.org. We also broadcast the daily floor sessions of both the House and Senate on the West Virginia channel, and we stream those on YouTube as well. I'm Bob Brunner. Thanks for joining us. Have a great evening. Support for the legislature today is provided by Marshall University, committed to teaching, research, and professional training with degree programs in multiple locations and online. More about the Marshall family at marshall.edu. Embassy Suites by Hilton Charleston, an all-suite hotel and conference center minutes from Yeager Airport and Capital Market. Reservations and brasserie dining information available at Hilton.com. Segra, providing fiber-based communication solutions. Segra, freedom to grow. More information at Segra.com.